10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Suffolk, this is The Late Show with Libby Isaac. Good evening everybody, um, welcome to The Late Show, it's the 28th of September and tonight we've got a comparison show of two individual greats. First up we've got Zoe Griffiths, an executive head teacher from the primary sector and then David Lees, an executive head teacher from the secondary sector, both discussing the complexities of being a leader in education, the only way to spend a Tuesday evening. Live from Suffolk. This is The Late Show with Libby Isaac on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Right, good evening everybody. Um, thank you for tuning in and I hope you are comfy tonight. I hope you've got a nice glass of your favourite drink in hand and you've got your feet up as we really do have a great listen for you this evening. I've got two individuals who lead excellent teams of people with us discussing leadership skills amongst other things. Um, I know I'm currently competing with the Great British Bake Off but you never know tonight we might knock them off uh, the top spot. Um, I hope you had an absolutely fantastic week. Um, the weather where I live on Saturday in particular was absolutely stunning. Um, and we definitely had the last barbecue, um, the last hurrah, so to speak. And now we're moving into definitely my favourite time of year. So you've got the cosy slippers, you've got your socks, um, you've got your roasts, you've got your red wine coming out. And for my very small people in the house, the favourite part for them is wellies or Wellington boots. So Today, we actually had a delivery for my three-year-old for her Wellington boots this season. Um, and she's so excited, bless her. Um, wanted to wear them in the bath and definitely tried to put them on whilst going to bed. So we're in that phase of life. It's like an actual Peppa Pig episode, my house. Um, I hope you all had a really good day. Um, my day... Just, it, it felt very strange today. It was a very nice day. It always is nice. Um, but I, I was walking from room to room, and I don't know if you have this with your small children, just picking up shoes. Um, both of mine have got, got new shoes because we're going into sort of autumn. They're growing out of the things that they had last year. So we've had some deliveries this week. And I just feel like I constantly pick up shoes from room to room wherever I go. Um, and my one-year-old has entered the phase where he can open my cupboards and I actually don't have those locks that's my fault um but he he'll go and he'll just take all the saucepans out and then he'll put them in rooms as well with shoes in sometimes so I I have definitely spent a lot of time today going from room to room picking up shoes and picking up saucepans so if your day was better than that then please I would love to hear from you um Obviously, in my house, we're a big fan of Christmas, and that's why I really like this time of year as you're going into the autumn. Um, recently, I've become quite a big fan of Halloween. Um, I didn't think I would become this person, and I definitely remember um, pre-perhaps having children, sitting with my lights turned off because I didn't want people knocking on the door with their children. 
but now I'm well up for it and I've uh, even organized outfits for my smalls already so I think um I'm that organized this year that I have booked us into a pumpkin patch experience or whatever that is with a wheelbarrow and you go around and you, you go and choose your pumpkins and there's lots of things to do there I don't know if anybody else has this in their life but I imagined that I would be absolutely brilliant at carving a pumpkin I just imagined that would be something that I'd be really good at so when I did it last year I'm I'm just awful I'm so bad at it um it's a really difficult skill and I definitely think I don't have the right tools um and I remember I remember trying really hard and I, I put mine up we've got a family whatsapp group and my brother-in-law has got a massive secret talent there and his was just ridiculously good and I felt incredibly inadequate with my attempts so I will be getting better at that this year anybody got any tips on that that'd be great um so those are some of the things um that I'm looking forward to as the evenings are getting darker but as I said tonight's show is all about discussing parts of leadership discussing the complexities of what that feels like when you're running a school. Um, so what kind of what kind of leader are you? Um, if you're listening and you wanted to text in some some sort of characteristics, that would be a really good way to start. Um, are you a boss centered autocratic leader or are you a bit more of a subordinate centered leader? Um, do you have a style yet? Are you are you looking to find your style? Um, I'm pretty sure all leaders out there have got their own natural sort of habitat when it comes to, to their preferred style. Do circumstances dictate you to adapt into a different style? Um, we are going to be talking a little bit about leading when it was the pandemic and whether that, you know, changed you as a leader or whether you had to adapt your own style because of those circumstances. So if you've got any experiences, please, please, please text in. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and I think because obviously we're a teacher's talk radio station and hopefully, you're, you know, you're, you are teachers, you've got an interest in education. Um, do teachers gravitate to a distributive model promoting a high degree of autonomy? Um, is that because in our classrooms, there there are castles, for example. So we're we're more authoritative because of this. I don't know. Um, schools are very top down when it comes to that leadership model. Are there examples of you coming from schools where you don't have a model like that? That that would be a really interesting thing to hear from you if that's the case. Um, and is there is there a toolbox of leadership styles out there? So we are we are you know thinking about leadership styles. We're thinking about um, the different types of leadership models. Um, we're also thinking about what was what it was like in the pandemic, and we're going to be talking to two fantastic people to find out a little more about that. Um, I'm just going to play the news for you, and then when we come back, I'm just going to delve a little bit deeper into thinking about leadership styles. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the independent newspaper, Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, has unveiled plans to remove the charitable status of private schools 
if Labour wins the next election. During the second day of the party's annual conference, the Labour leader said that he could not justify the charitable status enjoyed by the fee-paying institutions. Mr Stammer stated that private schools will be taxed £1.7 billion to fund improvements to the country's state schools if Labour wins the next election. Sir Keith said Labour wants every parent to be able to send their child to a great state school, but improving them to benefit everyone costs money. That's why we can't justify continued charitable status for private schools. Labour's deputy leader, Angela Rayner, added, Private schools shouldn't get a tax break. Labour will tax private schools and spend the money on helping the kids that need it. In Wales, latest figures show a spike in COVID cases among the under-16s. Denbyshire schools have seen more cases in the first two and a half weeks of this term than the whole of the last academic year, according to Mr Hilditch Roberts. He said, they're at breaking point. They are understaffed. They cannot get cover from agencies anywhere across North Wales, more or less. We are not able to supply Welsh education in some areas, because we can't get staff at short notice. Education Minister Jeremy Miles said case numbers should be viewed in the context of a successful vaccine programme. It's changed the balance, the balance of harm as we call it, and we're very clear that the best place for our children, young people to be, are in school, in a safe environment, being able to learn with their friends. This has been your daily education news briefing. Great, thanks for that. Um, so, as I was um, explaining before we went into the news, we're going to be discussing and talking about some of the complexities of being a leader in education this evening. Um, I mean, it's, it's a title which we could spend a huge amount of time on, and obviously we're not going to be talking about it all within the hour and a half that we've got tonight. Um, I've actually got, coming up in a few weeks' time, Sonia Gill, who is... Um, this show is not about Sonia Gill obviously but she's going to come on the show and she's also going to be talking a little bit about leadership styles we're going to be talking through creating vision and values and looking at what that looks like within an educational setting so we're going to sort of leave that for another show and tonight we're really going to be focused on um, what their preferred leadership styles are or what they, they think a leadership preferred style is and we're going to be looking at the different structures within a school and we're going to be thinking about what it was like during a pandemic. So we've got a lot to discuss this evening. So I hope you are ready to sit down and learn, hopefully, or or joining the conversation. It'd be really great to hear from you. Um, I've just had someone text into the show saying leadership styles can really affect a school and staff. Absolutely. We have moved from being a micromanaged and now trying to move away from it, but it still casts a shadow. Full ownership and autonomy can be difficult for some all to navigate, and a lot are still living with the hangover, if that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And um, I don't know if we'll if we'll uh, be able to answer some of those things today but for me um having the right leader for is is 
is what matters in a school it, it really it really drives you as as somebody it's the reason why you want to get up and go to work amongst other things but that definitely makes such a, it has such a huge impact for you doesn't it um, and hopefully we're gonna we're gonna hear some examples of um leadership styles and what that's like in school settings too i think the challenges facing a school leader today are absolutely huge um and some of these, I mean, just a few, might include ensuring consistently good teaching and learning, integrating um, a sound grasp of basic knowledge and skills within a broad and balanced curriculum. I mean, that's that's just a small thing. Managing behaviour and attendance, strategically managing resources and the environment, building the school as professional learning community, developing partnerships beyond the school to encourage parental support for learning and new learning opportunities. Um, and some of those key dimensions of being a successful leader can be identified as defining your vision, values and direction, improving conditions for teaching and learning, redesigning the organisation, um, like aligning roles and responsibilities, enhancing your teaching and learning, enhancing or enriching your curriculum, the teacher quality, the relationship inside the school community. And that's what I think um, TSCW was, was talking about a little bit in your sort of response there, but also the relationships outside your school community. So I had Sarah Gallagher on a few weeks ago and, and we quoted that it takes a village to create a school. And that outside community is so important when you are a leader of, of the school within, within their community and also your common values. Um, so there's so much empirical evidence out there that the quality of leadership is absolutely critical factor in explaining variations of student outcomes. Um, so your leader, I think, is everything. And you've got to really believe in what your leader stands for. They've got to be completely present. For me, I've got to see the leader walking around the school. They've got to take, you know, a real, if they can, they've got to be in and out of lessons as much as possible. That presence is really important to me. I mean, that's just my my experience of what I, I consider good leadership. I mean, there are lots of things that you consider when you're thinking about what makes a good leader. Um, whenever you do like leadership courses, I'm going to talk a little bit about what is out there. Can you train a leader? Is it something you're born with? Um, or is it is it developed and evolved over time because of circumstances um, but I think one of the things is the definition between a leader and a manager um, and I, when I was um, training to be a middle leader I think it was um, they defined that really clearly and you know a leader is the person that sets the vision the strategic you know issues the um, transformation they, they're all about the people they're all about doing the right thing for your staff and, and your school, whereas the manager side of it is all about the implementation and the operational side and the systems day to day. Um, but they do cross over at times. And that leader is, is that somebody who has that presence that, that empowers you to do what you want to do. And you almost go off and you do it yourself because you, you, you've got such a good leader who's, who believes in you to do it. I think Ofsted actually define it, and this, this is huge. And they say, effective head teachers provide a clear vision and sense of direction for the school. They prioritize, they focus the attention of staff um, and what is important, and they do not let them get di diverted and sidetracked with initiatives that will have little impact on the work of the students. 
They know what is going on in their classrooms. They have a clear view of the strengths and weaknesses of their staff. They know how to build on the strengths and reduce the weaknesses. They can focus their programme on staff development on the real needs of their staff and school. They gain this view for a systematic, pro systematic programme of maintaining an evaluation. They have clarity of thought. They have sense, purpose and knowledge of what is going on. Um, and effective head teachers get the best out of their staff, which is key to influencing work in the classroom and to raising the student standards achieved. Now, that's that's just a small thing, isn't it? So if you're thinking about uh, being a leader or if you're thinking that that's definitely something you want to do, I mean, it's not a tick list. And I think we'll hear from two individuals today who will, who will tell us a little bit more about, you know, how it all fits for them. My question is, is there enough training? Um, can you train a leader? Um, I know you can definitely develop one, but can you actually train one? Or are they simply just born to the role? What are the leadership structures in the school? Um, which one do you do? Is there an example of a bad one? Um, and finally, is... Um, I mean, Sonia Gill talks about it in a book. Is, the, is there enough e um, emphasis on training for, for that leader? Like if you joined a graduate scheme out of university, for example, you went to the John Lewis graduate scheme or you went and joined BP or you went and joined the American Express graduate scheme. The first thing they do, they, they develop their leaders. They have a sense of leadership programs. Do we have that in education or is that is that a little bit missed? Because, you know, you become a leader, I guess. In education because you are the best in your classroom and then it, it goes from there so it, it's just a really interesting thing to talk about um being a school leader is such a tough job hats off to all the head teachers what a great way to bring in our first guest so what i'm going to do zoe is i'm going to play an advert and then i'm going to introduce you um just bear with me whilst we listen to the sponsors first thank you need support with your phonics teaching did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or Gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teacherslovestationery.club. 
I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teachersloveStationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. TeachersloveStationery.club Excellent. Thank you very much for our sponsors there. So I'm going to quote that again. Being a school leader is such a tough job. Hats off to all the head teachers. Um, so on that note, I'm just going to bring into the conversation Zoe. Zoe, can you hear me? I can, Libby, yes. Oh, hello. Thank, and thank you so much for coming on this evening and uh, giving up your Tuesday evening to be with us. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. That's all right. So it's nice to nice to um, have you on the show. So as I was sort of discussing, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about leadership this evening, amongst other things. Um, just before we, we sort of delve deeper into that, can you just introduce yourself uh, a little bit about your background and your career so far? Uh, yes, I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, I've been in primary education in the UK for about 20 years now. Um, I did a variety of other things before I trained as a teacher, um, travelled, lived abroad, etc., and also worked in the private sector. Um, and um, I've worked in um, four schools in, in total. Um, I've been um, a class teacher, a, a subject leader, um, a literacy specialist, uh, a lead teacher, um, a trainer of teachers, and then uh, most recently, for the last seven years, I've been a, a head teacher um, in two schools, um, and uh, very recently, um, I'm taking on an executive head teacher role. So um, I, I think I've, I've ticked a lot of boxes in terms of the various roles that you can have in primary education in this country. I think I think you're you're at the top, aren't you? Is there anywhere to go beyond an executive head teacher? <laughs> oh goodness me, at the top. Um, I, well, I, it's it's um, a, a new departure for me, one I'm very excited about. Mm -hmm. um, but um, certainly, I think system leadership in, in in primary education, and I think very well established in secondary education as well, um, is is certainly something that um, is a development that's very exciting in in how we lead our schools. So you are an incredibly busy lady in your autumn term and you've you've come on and given up your time to come on to the radio. So thank you so much. Um, although you may have been watching the Bake Off, I don't know what you do on a Tuesday evening. <laughs> no comment. Um, no comment. Okay, fair enough. Um, so uh, I'm just going to kick off because obviously we've, we've been talking a little bit about this in my introduction. So what is your leadership style? So if you just introduce that to, to the listeners. Okay. Um, I Do I have a leadership style? Um, I, I think I'll, I'll warn your listeners now, um, Libby, I, I don't pretend to have the answers to uh, leadership. It's in, incredibly complex. So yeah. everything that I'm going to be sharing now is, is my own, own viewpoint based on my own experiences. And in terms of, of my own leadership style, I think that being 
people orientated is, is really important. So I would call myself a, a relational leader. But also when you work in education, I think you have to be ethical. You have to be moral in what you do. And that is reflected in, in your leadership as well. Um, so that leads into a leadership style that um, has been written about um, by somebody called Peter Gron called Hybrid. And it's where you have a, a repertoire of leadership styles that you draw upon, uh, depending on what you're doing and where you are and, and how mm -hmm. you need to do it. Um, and that's that's really resonates with me because um, I don't think I have a, a set way of, of leading any of the schools that I've worked in. Um, and do you think there is a best fit or or do you think like like you sort of said it is it is sort of looking at what's around you in your circumstances that that's a really really good question i i don't think that there is a, a best fit of, of of a leadership character um i think you need to fit in the organization that you're in so be it the school be yeah. it, um, an academy trust a group of schools a federation whatever it might might be um i think I, one quality that i think is really important is is that you do need to be self-aware as a leader um, mm -hmm. you need to be switched on to yourself and you need to be aware of you know what you're you're really good at your own strengths your own areas where perhaps you're not that good at it so you need somebody else to to work with with you or, or fulfill that aspect of the role um, so um, no I think is probably the short answer to that question I don't think there is that there, there is a best fit of of leadership characteristics do you think um, emotional intelligence is an important part of I that Yes, I think it's absolutely crucial. Um, I think when you work um, in a school, you're essentially working with, with people um, and um, you can't do it all yourself. You have to have those people with you um, and be following your vision, your the, the values that you instill, etc. Et and crucially, you know, you're working with, with young people or children and um, being emotionally intelligent for them is absolutely crucial. And, and, and you, know, you, you have to set, spread that out to, to the wider community as well. So, again, yeah, the short answer to that would be yes. I think it's absolutely essential. Um, and I, I, I agree. I think um, for, people, for people who lead a team, yet they can't see some of the things that are right in front of them, mm. is, is really difficult for you to to be invested in that in that person um because almost like they're lacking that that part that i think's a really important part of being mm. a human but then some people might disagree with me and say actually they're for a job and a, and a purpose and things but we're in education so it is i think a really important part mm. of it mm. um do you think that leadership styles develop because of your own life experiences and if so have you got any examples um, I, I think I think they do. I, 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 you um, develop as, as a leader. You develop as, as humans, as, as people. And I think um, that your vocation, which educational leadership should be, um, it's it's not a job. It's a vocation. Um, I think that um, it, you do develop very much and um, you also learn from those individual experiences that you have as you're building up your experience in school outside of school wherever it may may come from um, and you learn from them 
Um, mm. So, you know, if you've had a particularly difficult situation to deal with, which are often the ones that stick in the memory, um, you might recall how you dealt with a particular person that you found to be um, challenging for whatever reason and um, draw on that to, to help you deal with what you perceive to be a similar sort of situation um, that, you have, that you have in front of you. So, yes, I, I think it, it, it does develop as a result of your experiences, most definitely. So, so this, this is a question. Do, do you think you can be an effective head teacher, um, a young effective head teacher, or do you think it should come over time? That's a really difficult question. I think, <laughs> yeah, really difficult. So, Sorry. It's all right. Um, <laughs> I like to be made to think. Um, I think that um, experience is important, but having the experience mm. doesn't necessarily make you a good and effective leader. So to flip your question slightly there. Um, so I think you could go into a leadership role with um, a relatively... Um, uh, small amount of experience just a, a few years um, and still be um, as competent because of your um, attitudes towards um, the, the role that you have so mm -hmm. the most experienced people don't automatically make the best leaders um, therefore the most inexperienced don't necessarily make the worst leaders either I think it's all down to your self-awareness your ability to recognize where you need to be developing and to um, build the structures around you to help you become effective very well answered Zoe <laughs> <laughs> um, so this sort of brings me to to another question um, can leadership be taught so when, when you're a teacher, if you think about the structure of teacher, you all start off in the classroom. And then because, because someone's seen you be really effective in the classroom and you, you, have, you have a success in the classroom, you then get promoted to, I don't know, um, pastoral or something to do with curriculum. And then you get promoted again. And then you start being a middle leader and then you get promoted again. And then actually you get taken out of that classroom the higher you go until you're at the top and you're no longer in that classroom anymore. Um, so there, there's kind of two questions there. The first one is, can you teach it in education or is it simply just built because you're seen as being good at what you do and you, you go through the next hoop? Um, again, I'll, uh, that, that's a, a complicated, very, co very complicated question there, Libby. I think when you, when you start to take on some sort of leadership in, in education, generally it's instructional leadership. You're looking at... Um, your own pedagogy, the pedagogy in your organisation, and you're working to improving that, developing it, etc. And um, that's one type of leadership. And I think most of us start there. It's when you move out of the classroom and you're required to broaden your remit that um, you then start to need more help. Now, there are certain aspects of that where training can be given. So, for example, budget management or, or something like that. Yeah. But that's highly specific. Um, everything else, I think, um, can you be taught? I, I personally think um, no in, in general terms. I think you can be coached and mentored mm. um, um, th through a process. But training courses for leadership, I've done quite a few. Um, some of them have been extremely useful. But have they taught me how to be a leader? No. Um, they've perhaps given me little snippets of things um, um, and a particular skill set or, or a, for example, financial management. That's the clearest example I can think of. But they don't, they don't prepare. Even... 
that that um, classic dealing with difficult conversations training, mm. which um, everybody gets put on at some point, I think, that still essentially, I think, doesn't really prepare you for the first um, difficult, um, unhappy parent that you, you um, experience or a colleague that has really got upset about something. Mm. Um, so, um, no, I, I don't think it can be taught. I think it could be coached, mentored, um, and some very specific aspect of it trained, but not taught. No. So what what kind of courses are you talking about? Are you talking about the MPQ courses or yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I um, actually um, did uh, the Fast Track programme, which was a government mm-hmm. programme many years ago, which picked out people who looked like they were going to be good leaders. Um, <laughs> and mine, I think, was probably just because of my age, because I wasn't straight out of uni, I don't know. But because I'd had management leadership experience outside of education, I, I did that. Um, and that led into um, all sorts of other um, mini training courses. But um, for most people, it is the MPQs, the National Professional Qualification. And um, I did the um, MPQH, the one for headship, Mm -hmm. when it was mandatory, actually. um, And you had to have it to become a a school leader. And it was interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, but it there was an awful lot that it it did not even give me a sniff of in terms of the complexities of leading a school, that's for sure. There's a, they're they're obviously they're they're revamping the MPQs Mm. at the moment. Um, um, and well, I'll be honest. I'm. I think I'm going to apply for one. I've been. I've been told that perhaps that would be a good thing for me. But mm. you know, you know, when you sit, and you think, oh, it's just a course. It's like surely you need to be acting and living it. But um, yeah, yeah. But, yes. I, I, yeah. I think the models are that 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 yeah. That there's a new suite of them out um, this academic year that do look mm. quite interesting. And I, mm. I do. I think they're improving. I think they're responding to exactly what you just said yeah. there, Libby. That you know, it needs to go alongside your day to day. Um, professional activity um but do they teach it you teach you all of it no of of course they don't but um interesting nonetheless and they always look good on the cv of course exactly and as say they are being revamped because of probably exactly what what i'm sort of talking about a little bit as well um and what about the the sort of the idea so whenever whenever you talk to somebody who isn't in education Mm. and you you talk about the fact that you were a classroom teacher and then obviously now you've developed and they say do you teach anymore and you say well no i don't teach in the classroom Mm. anymore and they're always a bit surprised by that what what do you think about that model in education or do you as an executive head teacher still teach in, in a classroom you know what? It's that is something that um, is a real um, it's a real shame at the, how we move out of the classroom with with school leadership. I do try and get into the classroom. I think it's mm. I, maybe it's easier in primary. I don't know. Do I teach whole lessons? No, um, I don't teach enough. Um, I love it, and I do love the interaction with with the children and and just the the pure. Um, the essence of what it means to work in a school. Um, and I, I think those people that, that ask about that, you know, why that has to be so are quite right to question that. However, um, when you're leading a school, you can't do everything. And um, if you get your job right, then you make sure that the multiplier effect of your um, instructional leadership um, has a massive effect on the people who are um, in front of the classes. And um, that makes much more of a, dif- a difference. The multiplier effect, um, I think, is is something that makes me feel better anyway. If I if I know that 
the teachers who are um, working in my schools are doing an absolutely amazing job and feel equipped and resourced and supported and happy in their roles, I know that they are going to be doing um, 10 times more than I could possibly do myself. Um, and that makes me feel better that I don't get into the classroom enough. <laughs> absolutely. And and for anybody who is questioning that, like, obviously, I've seen firsthand what, you know, what a head teacher has to, has to do primary and secondary. And it's just the the amount of hats that you have to juggle in one day. Um, you know, you train, you train the staff to be the best they can, as you said, um, within the classroom for those students at the time. Um, can you talk us through the different types of leadership structures? So um, I've, I'm an um, ECT coordinator and tutor this year. And yeah. I think for a lot of ECTs, it's just so confusing um, what, what's going on now. Like, because you have executive head teachers, you've got heads of schools. Um, you don't really hear deputy heads as, as much as we used to. Um, the language assistant head of school has come in a bit more now can you just talk us through some of those leadership structures as if you were an ECT and you were listening um, and you needed to hear okay um I think the easiest way of explaining that is that that all schools need some sort of person whose um, name is on uh, the Ofsted report, who uh, takes on those uh, legal responsibilities. Um, and typically, they are either a head teacher or a head of school. And um, they have a, a team of people working with them that fits the organisation. Um, typically, that is either a deputy head teacher or um, an assistant head teacher um, forms part of the senior leadership team. Um, now, assistant head teachers typically have class responsibility and are often still teachers, whereas deputy head teachers would have much, much less of a teaching commitment and be more of, as the name would suggest, um, able, if the head teacher isn't around any at the, that particular point, they take on that role and the legal responsibilities that would, that would entail. Um, and within that you also have um, phase leaders key stage leaders etc um, I would urge any um, ECT to look at a particular um, school and um, just drill down into what those um, titles mean for that um, and that particular school because mm. I've known assistant head teachers who in another school have exactly the same responsibilities as a deputy for example and it depends on the size of the school etc um, I think what um, um, is happening uh, over recent years is there is now another uh, layer of uh, school leadership where the system leadership comes in and that's where the executive head role um, mm. is becoming more and more common. Um, I uh, welcome it. Um, I, I think it's um, um, uh, useful if not essential for head teachers to have that next level of um, person who they can use as a critical friend, but also with that extra layer of accountability, etc. And they can consult them, report to them. And executive heads typically have more than one school that they oversee. Um, so I think that's about as clear as I can make it, really. But I would urge that, that any, anybody who's looking at those roles, look at the specific context within them, mm. because I think they really do vary from school to school. And I, yeah, like as you as you said, the 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 amount of um, well, can't get the words out. The amount of students within a school that that really mm. depends on on what happens within those roles mm. and what that is like. So you might be an assistant head or a deputy or a head of school at one setting, and that might mean something quite 
different yeah. in a different setting. Absolutely. Um, but I do, I, I do think the, the term executive head sounds quite fancy as well. So <laughs> it's, it's, well, a, it's a good one to have, isn't it, really? I think anything that's got executive in the title kind of yes. makes you think of, I don't know, flash cars and, and, and things like that, doesn't it? And, and you know, long lunches. Um, I, I really... It, it, I know it's not like that. No, yes. it, 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 just, it, it generally means um, quite a bit more responsibility and yeah. you have to kind of, you know, cut yourself into two or three... Um, um, pieces to make sure that you're ever present your comment earlier about visibility and how it's really important for leaders to be visible and I I wholeheartedly agree with that um, and that uh, that that brings its challenges for the, for the executive head role as well yes that's really interesting because usually you've got different different school sites as well mm, haven't you yeah um, it's also very, I found very difficult to spell if you're uh, not concentrating when you're doing uh, promotional things with it so <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, thank, thank you for answering that. Um, wh- what's your structure and where do you fit in? Um, I, um, I, I, you can't lead a school by yourself. Um, and therefore, I lean, I think, towards a distributed leadership structure. Um, and you were referencing the Ofsted framework a little bit earlier. And um, I know, very, who am I? I know. Yeah. I was, really, <laughs> Libby, I wasn't expecting that. Tuesday um, <laughs> But um, what you described there in, in terms of what... Um, um, Ofsted expect to see is that it doesn't just read arrest with the, with the head teacher mm. that that hero leadership um, that we've we've had in in previous years. So distributed leadership, I think, works as a structure. I think it's complex. I think it can go very wrong um, if it's um, not thought through carefully. But I think you have to have um, accountability um, and responsibility across more than one person to help to, to make a school function effectively. Um, and that's what I like to think that, that um, I aim for. Um, you need to make sure that if you have that, that the people are really clear as to what their roles are, um, because clarity or lack of role clarity can cause all manner of problems. Um, and of course, you know, accountability, all of us who work in education understand how important that is. Um, you know, where does that accountability um, lie? Um, what a what is a, um, a teacher or um, a phase leader or an assistant head um, accountable for um, has to be absolutely crystal clear, and I, I always aim for that um, because ultimately, whatever whatever structure you have in a school, the head teacher or the head of school um, is the one who is accountable. So um, you know, if if one of your colleagues um, makes a mistake and you need to, to support them with that, ultimately it's it's your name above the door. Mm. Um, but distributed leadership structure is something that I aspire to. Um, and um, like to think that it's the it's the most effective way to, to make a school run run well. And you just you just um, mentioned one of the barriers of distributed leadership is having a lack of clarity of your mm. role. What, can you just explain that in a bit more detail? Sure. So uh, if you have um, a, a remit that that's spread across more than one person, then how is that one person going to work towards their particular goals, their particular objectives, or, or just getting the job done that they've been asked to do um, if they have to work with somebody else? Um, are they expected to 
always work together with somebody else or are you going to divide the role up? Um, that needs to be made absolutely crystal clear, either in job descriptions, through um, any um, action plans or uh, improvement priorities that the, the school is working to. They have to be assigned to individuals um, and those need, individuals need to be able to, to interrogate that, understand it, and then make it their own and report back accordingly. And I think if there's any confusion around that, that's when things get missed um, and um, things get done twice or there are clashes because people did something and they thought it was it was somebody else's um, job and toes get trodden on and all sorts of things like that. So it's it's the person um, um, leading the school, I think, who needs to take responsibility for ensuring that's in place. Um, so doing the distributing effectively. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's a conversation as well. It's it's um, it has to be top down in some ways but but that conversation has to be there as well because everybody needs to be happy and understand what it is they've got to do um and that doesn't come from from just one person that's as a result of a dialogue and that that in your opinion would be like your ideal leadership structure i think so yeah, yeah. yeah it's not without its flaws but it's it's um the one that can work best yeah Lovely. Um, and you're currently, am I right in saying you're working on your doctorate at the moment? I am. What a fool I am, really. I mean, crikey. Yeah, it's, it's um, yeah, goodness me. I, I, yeah, I am. Um, I <laughs> am doing a professional doctorate. It's a, um, right. an ed doc. And um, I opted to do that as opposed to a PhD um, a few years ago. Firstly, because it was taught um, initially for the first couple of years. Um, and then you, you go off and you do your research and you write your thesis. I'm in the latter stages of it. Um, and the, the reason that I, I, I chose to do it um, is because it brings together um, uh, academic uh, persona and professional practice and mm -hmm. um, I am firmly of the belief that um, anybody who works in education needs to have some aspect of learning in their life and um, yeah. I, I personally want to get better at what I do um, and I wanted to research what it means to be um, an effective leader um, in, in education in, in, in England in particular and in, in the primary sector specifically um, mm -hmm. and do you want me to be a bit more specific about what I'm, I'm researching well I think doesn't it fit really nicely into uh, yeah leadership style so you, you yeah, talk a little does, bit about yeah. the models sort of yeah gone yeah talk us through that yeah sure so um I I'm looking at mental models of leadership and that's um, the one yes that's the one and <laughs> um mental models of effective leadership in particular and uh, mental models are, the, are those mechanisms that we have internal mechanisms um for uh, problem solving uh, decision making um, it actually comes from from cognitive psychology, but you also find mental model theory in uh, more general business um, uh, li uh, literature as well. And it's all around uh, how you make those decisions and how you solve those difficult problems and essentially be become a better, better leader. So what um, I've been looking at is um, um, how to help uh, primary school leaders uh, scrutinise their, their practice um, and, and in terms of raising their self-awareness of uh, what, what it is that makes them function effectively. Um, I've done that via um, uh, video uh, 
um, exercises um, where the the teacher the head teachers then uh, scrutinize their, their themselves afterwards and uh, we ask questions about why they did what they did at that particular point in time and it's 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 really quite insightful when you really really do drill down into why you um, acted like that in a particular meeting and if we become more aware of what our mental models are we become more aware of, aware of of how we can uh, improve how we can be more effective um, and in terms of mental models of effective leadership I don't think there are a certain set of them I think it's particular to individuals um, but making ourselves aware of them can only make us better at what we do in an extremely complex role. I think I, I really enjoy listening to people's passions when it comes to education and especially when you're at a point in your career there's always more to learn, isn't there? There's always, always more to develop. Yeah. And I think that's a really important message. So even though you're an executive head teacher um, with an excellent title, um, you still need to you still need to push yourself, you still need to educate and do that for yourself because you're not at the end yet and there's there's always lots to learn. So yeah. I think that's just such an important message as well. And very interesting. Um, so what was your experience of leading during the pandemic? And do you think that because of it, you've adapted your practice? Um, has it developed you as a leader differently? Or what was your sort of experience because of that? Um, I don't think I behaved particularly differently. I think I, I'd like to think I'm an authentic leader. You, um, what you see is what you get. And um, I am about relationships and about the people around me. And um, I don't think that changed during the pandemic because um, with the team um, that I was leading through it, um, I knew um, just as much as they did in terms of what was happening. Um, yeah. And that I was very honest with them with that. And um, the relationships really came to the fore because um, we were asked to do things we'd never been asked to do before. We were asked to do them with no notice or very little notice um, at times with extremely unclear or uh, ambiguous guidance. Um, and I was asked to make decisions on things in terms of um, um, should a child come into school, should a member of staff um, stay at home um, mm. due, to, due to the effects of, of um, the restrictions at, at various points. Um, and I, I didn't know, I'm not a medical professional, and, and I was expected to have all the answers for these questions. Um, so the only way to really get through that was to be you know, honest and um, be, be very collaborative as well and say, look, you know, we'll be all right, we'll, we'll get through it, um, but um, we're going to have to do it together because I, I know just as much as you. And I, I, I had um, several conversations with, with parents as well who were saying, oh, you know, what's going to happen next? And I said, well, as soon as I know, I'll be telling you. And I think um, being authentic um, and focusing on, on making sure that the people um, around me who needed to be able to function, get on with their remote teaching, their teaching of, of the critical work of children, um, working on whole school projects if they weren't in front of a class at that time, going out and doing um, um, home visits or, or, or doorstep checks on children that we were concerned about, all of those kinds of things, we, we um, had to make sure that everybody was able to do it. Um, and, um, make, and, and being aware of other people's needs and sensitive to them, I think, was probably the aspect of my leadership that got us through it 
um, because uh, we needed to be um, taking care of each other throughout because at times it was it was a bit nerve-wracking to be honest because we didn't really know what was happening fantastic answer and i've sort of i've i've uh, i've summarized you throughout what for everything you've been talking about so you've um we i, I started off the conversation i said what's your leadership style and you said oh there's not i don't think there's a best fit I, i'm not entirely sure um and then and then we had this conversation and i well from what from what you said my take homes for you is that you're an authentic leader who values visibility and relationships are absolutely key. Um, you're a big fan of distributed um, leadership and how that works within the school. Um, incredibly honest and collaborative. Would that sum you up? <laughs> Hello. I do like that, Libby. I hope you. Sorry, I, I actually you muted me? you then. Yeah, I muted you because I was like, I'm going to get this out, and then no, I didn't mean to mute you. <laughs> oh, that's fine. No, all, all I said was, um, I hope you've written that down, Libby, because it sounded quite, quite succinct. So if if I can have that at some point, I'm sure I can find something to put that 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 into uh, to summarise my. Uh, my uh, leadership profile yes <laughs> maybe this is my talent people yes. should come and talk to me and I'll, I'll give you a, a take home for your leadership <laughs> stuff but no it's been absolutely wonderful to hear from you this evening and thank you so much for giving up your time I know how incredibly busy your life is at the moment especially in the autumn term it's been an absolute pleasure Libby thank you very much uh, brilliant and please stay in and listen as well because we've got uh, David Lees on the line and well what I'm going to do um, I'm going to um, play some adverts um, and then I'm going to introduce David to the conversation. So thank you so much, Zoe, um, and speak soon. Thanks, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. So I'm just going to uh, play some adverts again and then we're going to introduce David Lees to the conversation. Um, he's our executive head from the secondary sector. So I'm going to be asking some of them um, similar questions to what I've asked Zoe and some different questions as well, just to get a bit of a gauge as to you know what his leadership styles are, what his background is um, and some of the conversations that we're going to be having with that. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All MALCPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Every teacher loves stationery, right? Imagine getting a selection of fun, beautiful and unique stationery items designed and selected especially for teachers delivered through your door every month. You need to check out teacherslovestationery.club. 
I'm always so excited when the box arrives. It's such a treat. My Teachers Love Stationery Club box is just a little treat to myself every month. It's always full of delightful and surprising items, including some really good quality stationery brands. And because you never know what you're going to get, it makes it even more fun and special when you get it. Visit teacherslovestationery.club and enter the code TTRADIO when you buy your first stationery box to save £2 today. Teacherslovestationery.club Okay, thanks so much from our sponsors there. So uh, another thank you to Zoe, who obviously we heard from uh, just now about some of her ideas around what you know what's effective leadership, what what her style is, um, and some of her work that she's doing with her doctorate as well. So I'm just going to introduce uh, David Lee's on the line now. Hello, David. Can you hear me? Hi, Libby. Yes, I can. Hello. Lovely to uh, to speak to you, and thank you so much for giving up your time this evening. That's all right. Now it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, no worries. Um, can you just, for those that are listening live or those that are going to download it at another point, can you just introduce yourself a bit about your background um, and where you're from, etc.? Yeah, certainly. So, so I'm, my name is David Lees. Um, I'm actually currently the executive head of, of Clacton Coastal Academy and Tendering Technology College. Um, I suppose my journey has been, I, I started as an NQTPE teacher back at the, the Dean's High School in Lowestoft in, in 1996. And, and when I left there, I was actually head of school. So, so I'd moved up through the ranks as head of PSHE, head of PE, assistant head, deputy head, uh, and then finally came to head of school. And, and I realised that actually, I, I love the opportunities that Headship gave you, the opportunities to, to really impact such a, a, a big group of students and, and have a real influence on, on staff and educational outcomes. So it was at that point I decided to become a head. Um, and I, be, I became a head teacher first at Saxmund and Free School uh, back in 2013. And they just literally opened about six months before. And then I was then head there for, for seven years. And I joined Beckles Free School in, in 2018 and became executive head over both schools um, and then moved up to chief operating officer, which was a really interesting title. It was in the days when, uh, as a head teacher, you were working with other schools to, to come and join your trust. Um, and I loved that for a time, but it took me away from the classroom. It took me away from uh, the corridors and, and away from the things that actually I came into, into teaching for. So I then joined um, Clacton Coastal Academy in 2021, joined as, as part of the lockdown. Um, so I became a head teacher and met all of my staff, all 200 of them, uh, through a screen, which was quite bizarre. And then a year later, I've been made executive head. So I'm, I'm head at uh, two big schools in, in Clacton and Tendring um, and absolutely love it. So, yeah, good to talk to you and hope that's given your listeners a flavour of, of my journey to where I am today. Absolutely. And uh, what a journey that's been, David. Uh, PE teacher back in the day to an executive head of a large secondary school. Um, and what, what will be interesting as we sort of talk and we go through some of the questions is um, you went from some a large secondary school to a smaller school where you're a head teacher to an even bigger school. And maybe there's some differences on leadership styles when you're managing or leading a small school to, to a large school, I don't know. So perhaps we can sort of depict that later on, that'd be really good. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there are lots of differences actually, but there's also lots of similarities. And, and for me, it's about people. Um, and whether you're in a large school or a small school is around uh, the impact you can have on people and the relationships you form with people to to get the very best out of them. So, yeah, happy to, to talk about that. Fantastic. So if you had to define your own leadership style, what would you say? 
<laughs> I was listening to Zoe and uh, my thoughts were great question to which I have no idea. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, to me, I don't think there is a set style that works. I think it's about um, incorporating a range of styles. I think it depends on the school. I think it depends on the context, yeah. the task in hand, um, the journey where the school are. Um, I think it's about the people you're working with. Um, and all I would say is that great school leadership is the bedrock for great schools and effective leadership is key to that, creating that in learning environment where every student has access um, to being the very best they can. So I think my leadership style is what I need to do to deliver the results that I need to ensure that those students and staff do their very best. Um, and then I adapt my style depending on, on the surroundings. So I hope that makes sense. But yeah, no set style, I don't think. Well, you never know. I might summarise your style as, as we go on. Um, um, we've just had uh, Tom just texting and he said, David, your Wi-Fi is a little bit off. So if you can move closer to your root router, then we might get a bit better signal. But we can still hear you. It's just if you can get a little bit closer to it, that'd be great. Will do. Yeah, I think there's a slight delay. So I think that's what's causing it. So I'll, I'll do my best. But it's, it's not a problem. It's fine. Um, so... I think we've already answered this. And um, do you think there is a best fit when it comes to leadership styles? Um, I think I think leadership is about people. I think it's about the ability to lead staff and students towards the, that core vision. And I think it's leading staff in a values-driven way. So I, when I look at characteristics mm -hmm. and best fit, I think of uh, visionary in terms of direction. I think strong moral purpose is absolutely key. Why are we doing this? What What's this purpose? And is there... Um, a shared purpose. I think it's really important that the head teacher that sets the vision and, and the staff absolutely buy into that and, and there's no excuses. So I think that would be the first. I think it's then around being courageous and passionate for what you're doing and why you're doing it. Emotional intelligence, I think you picked up on that earlier. And, and for me, that's mm. absolutely key around um, open, honest, trustworthy, uh, humorous at times, but also it's about that relationships of empowering staff and students to get the very best. And then resilience, uh, it's a tough job um, and, and I think you need that resilience and you need to develop that resilience in your leaders around you and your staff. Integrity, you want staff to trust you and you want staff to go on that journey with you. And I think you also said this, Libby, to me, visibility is absolutely key, um, that we are very visible, that we're um, in this with, with staff. I often talk to my staff around um, the standard you set, the standard you walk past is the standard you set. And, and to me, that is around the visibility. And that's the head teacher as well as um, all the way down to the people working um, in the kitchen or cross, helping students cross the roads. We all have that, share, that same shared vision and that visibility of, of uh, sense of purpose. I think, and I think that's really what stands out the difference to me between being a leader and being a manager yeah i think it's i mean it's that phrase isn't it um walking the walking the walk and talking the talk and i think it's um you're you're never too important to go out and, and pick the litter up and make mm -hmm. the school look the best and that you're you know you're not so important that you shouldn't be out in the corridors welcoming students and actually saying you know it's great to see you today and you look really smart and I see you got your trainers on. Can you get them sorted tomorrow and put your shoes on? And, and you're doing that as well as the form tutors. So I think it's absolutely key to actually be a, a leader that's visible, but actually what you say is is then seen in what you do and, and how you act. And um, and for me, an example. I mean, I, I don't know if you if you want to ask this or not, but 
An example of poor leadership characteristics are when the leader spends more time in their office or doing the admin or not out in those corridors. I know that there are times when that's really important and you absolutely have to do that at times because you are running you are running a, a huge school and a number of staff, but it's when you're spending more time in that office and you've got your blinds down, et cetera, than being out there, being a presence in the school. So for you, what are some examples of poor leadership characteristics? I think it's exactly that. I think it's leaders that don't put people first, um, staff, students, their community. And even though you're having a, a tough day, um, you being out and about, you walking the corridors, you talking to students, you being there in staff, in lessons is absolutely is vital. Um, and, and most things actually you can leave to another time. And it, it means you don't get much done in the day um, in terms of your workload. But actually, that's why uh, the school will shift quicker because you're, you're out and about. So I think it's it's around hero leadership and doing it for the wrong reasons. And it isn't focused on the vision and the values. So if you've set a vision and a, and a set of values and you're not the embodiment of those, um, then that's when the problems come. So I think they're the things I would say were a poor leadership characteristics. Fantastic. Um, and uh, this sort of triggered me into another question. And last week, I did a show on sort of flexible working hours. I had um, um, so a, a very sort of a passionate um, lady who's a co-head um, on as well. What What is, and I don't know if you want to answer this or not, what is your work-life balance and how important do you think that is when you're at the top? <laughs> I love the way you give me the option to, to not answer things. Um, well... I, I, I think uh, I think work-life balance is key. I mean, I, I operate in a way that um, I absolutely switch off at weekends. I didn't do that before. So I, I work extremely hard during the week. Um, and, you know, I, I've got an agreement from my family that that's how I operate. And then when I come home at the weekends, yeah. then, then I'm, I'm dad and I'm husband and I'm everything else. So you... If you're not in the best shape, in the best shape, well-being, uh, mental health, um, your whole situation at home, then, then you can't be a good leader and you can't do the job you need to do. So it is absolutely key. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I've got people around me that will tap me on the shoulder and say, look, you're doing too much. Or do you need to do that? Do you need to actually go to that tonight? Um, because you, you need to look after yourself and, and, and sort of model what, again, what you're telling other staff to do. Mm. I think it absolutely radiates to your staff as well. So if you're if you're setting the example where you switch off at the weekend and you're not sending that email or you're not texting that person on SLT and you know that makes such a nice environment for your staff to come in on Monday morning knowing that they're allowed to to have that time um because I know that there are certain environments around where you know you have that guilt on a Saturday morning because so-and-so's emailed you or, or you haven't turned your emails off or you have turned them off and, you know, you're not going to get to them on until Monday morning. And it, it makes you feel uncomfortable and anxious. So the fact that you're sat, you know, modelling that, that behaviour at the weekend, I think that's really quite inspiring. Yeah, and I think... Um... Again, it comes back to to leading by example, um, and there are people that actually work at weekends, and that's that's when they do their their, their yeah, absolutely, and, yeah. And it's about accepting that and, and making sure that there's no expectation about responding. I think this year has been interesting. I mean, if you think about the pandemic this year, I, I've sat at home on a Sunday and and closed year groups. I've um, you know spoken to bus drivers who, who can't get there because there's there's COVID on the buses and and you're doing an awful lot this year on a, on a weekend that you wouldn't normally but actually 
you know the people who are happy to work and happy um, to engage with you at the weekend. And they're the staff that you, that you work with and you, you make sure you're not putting pressure on everybody. So again, it comes back to knowing your staff um, and knowing the people you work with so you can get the best out of them. And if if you if I was an ECT sat here listening to this conversation, do do you think it's a good career? Do you, would would you still encourage people to aspire to be an executive head teacher because you know you can have a a really good life and work balance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm probably the wrong person because I'm, I'm very uh, supportive, and I think that, I think it's a great career. I think you're absolutely uh, the right person, then, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, if I if I just talk to you about Clacton, I've got 39 yeah. percent of my teachers in Clacton that come up through ITT um, so the, you know the ECT framework and developing those staff is absolutely crucial to me and mm. and I think it is around supporting those you know the the stats on people leaving the profession particularly uh, after a couple of years is really high still and I think it's around ensuring that they recognize that you know there is a work-life balance. It is around well-being now. There is a lot more focus on on the students and the staff and, and, and how they're feeling rather than just potentially outcomes-driven all levels. So I think it is around making sure you work for somebody in a school that recognises that um, and therefore hopefully you, you will love your job and not more. And if you're not driving to school uh, or cycling to school with a smile on your face because of what you're going to do, then, then you shouldn't be doing it because um, it's tough enough as it is. And, and it really is important that people sort of look after themselves and, and work in jobs that they want to do rather than ones potentially that they've perhaps got to do. And it, um, for me, I think driving, driving into school and then getting to school and having your leader actually ask you a question about your life and having that emotional intelligence is really important to me or asking how you are or if something's happened. That for me is actually a really important part of going going to work as well it means that you're valued it means that that person wants to have a conversation with you about you um and it's more than just a job um so that that's another important thing to me personally i don't know if that's what you yeah ab- absolutely i i actually um i work for a trust and there's there's five uh, schools in essex in, in the trust and we have a you know a head teachers whatsapp group as it seems to mm. be the thing at the moment and i got a text on a saturday um from one of the head teachers just saying uh, David, I hope your son has a has a really good birthday today. And that just struck me that actually I'd probably mentioned it to him uh, during the week when we met. Um, and he'd gone out of his way to do that. And I think, you know, it works both ways. It's lovely when you do it, absolutely. Uh, and it's lovely when other people do it to you because um, we're all human beings and, and actually that relationship is key and it, it makes you feel valued. Um, and yeah, I think I don't do it enough and it's something I need to do more of. But you're right, Libby, it does have a real impact on people. But we do it. We do it for the students every single day. So yeah. why wouldn't you do it for the people that work, that work around you as well? I think I think that's really yeah, key. Absolutely. Um, do you think that head teachers are properly trained in leadership skills? And maybe trained isn't quite the word, that, because obviously the conversation we had with Zoe, maybe that's not quite the road. Do you think they're coached correctly? Do you think we need to invest more in it? I do. And I think... I think we've got to a stage where um, the expectation is to to get higher in terms of status or potentially pay that you have to move up and be um, on the next level and, and eventually a head teacher. And I think that's where we've got it wrong because I don't think the training is good for head teachers. I like Zoe was a MPQH I had to do as a mandatory part of the course. Um, mm. And I think 
I learned best from great leaders. I, I learned from uh, getting myself close to people who I valued and listened to. I learned from their mistakes and I learned from the things they did well. Um, and I was able to work in a safe environment as an assistant head, as a subject leader, as a deputy head um, to sort of learn what I wanted to do. And, and I think nowadays um, we have too many people that perceive that they have to be the next layer up. And you can be an amazing classroom practitioner, an amazing manager, but it doesn't make you a great leader. And I think we have to have opportunities. And, and that's why, you know, we used to have the excellent teacher scheme, uh, ASTs. We've now got lead pracs. And I think they're great schemes where people can just be amazing practitioners in the classroom, leading teaching and learning, our core business, mm. and still get well-paid, well-valued, get the time to develop um, research and to work with CPD, but not have to do um, some of the, the the rigmarole that comes with leadership roles. Yeah. So, so I think there's... We, need to, we miss opportunities and, and people shouldn't think they have to be ahead because it's not for everyone. And actually, um, sometimes it's a really, a really tough job and they're best off in the classroom having probably a really big impact as well. And I think I think that's key that knowing what's out there career wise, because when you when you do start or when when I started, I don't know how old I am now, like 20 years ago, maybe. No, whenever, <laughs> whenever I started, like that, that was always the aim. Oh, I want to be a head teacher because that's the best. I want to be a head teacher. And actually, I think the last yeah. three years has, has proven to me what am I really good at? Teaching and learning. What am I passionate about? Teaching. Like, there are other ways to get to the top doing what you absolutely love doing. Um, yeah, and, and we were talking a little bit about the MPQs um, and the courses. And I think the Chartered College of Education do some amazing evidence-led courses at the moment um, that look just as good on CVs than MPQs um, if, you, if you wanted to sort of go down that route as well. What, what's your opinion on, on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we use um, we use lead prax a lot at, at Clacton mm. and, you know, we're using them to drive um, quality of education, but particularly uh, literacy and numeracy um, and particularly around um, being those those shining lights of, of risk takers. And, you know, the people that are trying new things in, in their classrooms that you can go along and see and and work with, um, you know, in triads to actually improve. And I think they're a great asset. And, and we've done that through SSAT, through the accreditation there. So, again, it, it writes your CV, um, but not in a way that, that means you're going to end up being an assistant head, but it keeps you in the classroom having a huge impact. So I think we've got to move, we've got to move away from CPD, one size fits all. Let's make it really personalised and let's know the staff that we're working with and get the best out of them. Don't just assume that this is the route, you know, subject leader, assistant yeah. head, head, and away you go. And and actually, sometimes it's absolutely brilliant just to be a classroom practitioner. Like, actually, that's the point of it, isn't it? That's why we went into it to begin with. And I think people yeah. are so quick to want to develop out of that role. And I know a lot of people that have got to the top and actually all they want to do is go back into that classroom. So, you know, there, there's a lot there's a lot to be said about what you do inside that classroom. Um, do you do you think yeah, the yeah. traditional route to leadership in education grows great leaders or do you think there needs to be a step up to this approach? I think it's probably a mixture because um, I think the traditional route has worked for me in a sense. So I'm probably living, breathing that that, that does work through the. Um, through the sort of the leadership roles and, and upwards. Um, but I also think, you know, I, don't, I, I know there's great schools where people haven't 
come into head teacher in the normal way. They've come through the, the sort of business model and certainly with uh, academy chains nowadays, um, what you want from a leader is very different potentially to what that head teacher role is. And, and I think you touched on it with Zoe around, you know, the head teacher not teaching. The idea is that the head teacher is is driving teaching and learning and that core purpose. And and often nowadays, that's probably not the case. Um, so I think it is a mixture and I think it's about the right person, the right personality. And it goes back to your original question around, you know, the leadership style and what does that school need at that time and what is the vision uh, for that school and is this the right person to drive that? So, so I think it's, it's very much around that person and where that school is at, at the time. Um, and I, I feel like, I feel like you're, you're going to agree with this as well. And obviously I've mentioned I'm going to do a follow-up show with Sonia Gill, but she talks a little bit about how essentially great leaders develop their team the way a great teacher develops children within a class. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, Sonia's great and uh, I've worked with Sonia before, but listening to what you've just said, I think my first two things are, yes, you have to invest in your staff, especially your, t- your leaders, um, you know, the team you put around you. Don't just em- employ people and think that's that's it, they're done. It is about investing and, and shaping and developing them as leaders. Uh, and success for me is when my leaders go on and, and go on to other roles and run schools. I mean, that's, that's what you want for them. But also it comes back to what we said earlier, you're the role model. Uh, the person that sets the standard, the person that upholds the expectations. So that's around um, essentially great leaders and, and becoming, a, you know, part of a great team and being a great teacher is then being a great leader. So it's about all those things. But yeah, I think that's spot on. Well, maybe we'll get you back on when we get Sonia on. Um, <laughs> so so um, Zoe was talking about distributed leadership styles. So what what's your ideal structure if you if you are allowed to have one or if you if you get to a point where you can have a bit more input with that? Um, I think what for senior leadership teams, I suppose it would be, uh, we talk a lot about collective efficacy at the school, um, which which effectively means that there's a belief. I know, sorry. It is a belief (laughs) that teachers can positively impact the learning of students as they work as a team. So it's basically heading in the same direction. And I think often teams derail because people work in silos. Um, so distributed leadership to me is, is yes, we're distributing the roles and responsibilities, but actually we're all on the same page here. Um, you know, there's, there's core business around teaching, learning, uh, safeguarding, and that's everyone's business. You know, that the core purpose around ensuring that students can, can read and write to, to access the curriculum and then have a, a real knowledge based curriculum where they're, they're absolutely learning. So it's about ensuring we're on that same page. That to me is that collective efficacy. And, and the distributed leadership is around how do we ensure that there's only one person in terms of clear communication, in terms of accountability and line management, but actually we're all on the same page. So I would know you, um, the other assistant heads would know what you're driving for in terms of teaching and learning for the school and ensure that in our line management meetings, we're supporting that and we're doing what we can in attendance, in behavior, in pastoral mm. care, and to ensure that we help you deliver that. So I think that's that's what it is to me. And and then it's about encouraging people to make decisions. Um, I was often, I was told this once and it stuck with me in my leadership, you know, I'd rather you made 10 decisions and got three wrong than mo- not make a decision. So part of distributed leadership is empowering your senior leaders to make the decisions and actually to trust themselves, trust their judgment. And then we, you know, we support them when it doesn't work right. We coach them and we we learn from those mistakes in a safe environment. Um, so I think that's that's the key part to distributed leadership and what I would set up if I was setting up a senior team from scratch. 
And I think where, where it can go wrong is if is if you if you have um, SLT who are making decisions and then they're made to be felt, oh, that was really bad decision or that was poor decision making and then you you stop making those decisions and then yeah. the whole you know the whole ethos is 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 destroyed really isn't it um so just really interestingly my um my brother-in-law um is a, a leader in a secondary school and he was talking to me about this ages ago he won't remember um and he said um what would be really good and i don't know whether they do it at his school or not is if the assistant heads um circulated and spent terms that weren't in their primary position so for example if you were enrolled as the pastoral assistant head you then spent a term like a secondment term doing teaching and learning um obviously with the with the head overseeing it all because you don't want things to completely slip but then it sort of builds up your skill set and it it creates that cog so that every single person on your slt has experience of those really important factors um what, what what would your opinion on that be do you, Would that do you know even what? It's work? Great. I, I thought you were going <laughs> to ask me about pumpkin carving, so I was getting a bit worried then. Oh, um, I know. But, yeah, well, I get it. <laughs> I think that's it's a great idea, and and I think it's something that we try and do. But um, I think the schools I'm I'm working in now, it's the pace is is so high in terms of um, ensuring that we're delivering on the outcomes that often as a, as a leader, those things almost become a luxury. But what we've tried to do instead is create um, a middle leadership layer um, that can second to SLT and work alongside people. So if you're leading on teaching and learning, then that teaching and learning team have the opportunity to, to step out for a term and work with the teaching and learning lead and, and learn off them. So, so we do that. If we do anything outside of school, so if we go and look at another school, we always send SLT in pairs so they come back. So they're almost learning each other's roles as they're coming back and what they're looking for. But I think to do what you've described would be really, would be really good. Um, courageous leadership, I think that is. Um, and if we could oh, do maybe, that. Maybe that could be my goal. I'll set up a school and uh, and practice that. No, I'm joking. Um, no, but so... it, it is how you learn though, isn't it? That, that, that's <laughs> yeah. how you develop learning off other people. And, and often you, you don't get the time potentially in SLT to, to put your ideas across at times if somebody's quite holding an area. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea. I'll look into it. All right. Well, let me know how successful you are. And I want, <laughs> I want the rights to that, please. Um, so I've just come up with a question. Sorry, I'm going off, off kilter from the ones perhaps that we discussed. Right. So um, as, as a head at, at Clacton or anywhere else, what at the moment, so at Clacton, what at the moment is the most important aspect for you to develop? Is it your community? Is it your middle leaders? Is it your SLT? So what, what are you putting a lot of time and energy into at the moment as part of sort of your, your long-term plan? I, th I think it's quality of education. Um, it's been really, really interesting through the pandemic. We've, we've completely... Um, changed our focus on curriculum and ensuring that we have a curriculum that's fit for purpose mm -hmm. uh we've we've re-looked at our intent and what we're what we're aiming to deliver and we've almost gone from that backwards question where we've got that seven year journey from year seven to year 13 and what is the knowledge that um, a year seven needs to learn in geography to be able to then successfully access year eight and so on and so off so we've worked backwards from um sort of A-levels and B-techs and then from year 11 in terms of ensuring that as they start that journey in year 11, they've got the right knowledge because what we were finding is they hadn't. Um, so that's been a real push and we've had time to develop that during the pandemic and, and that's given us a real opportunity to, as a whole staff, come together and, and look at that. So now it's about embedding that and looking at 
um, the impact of that and auditing that. And then what else linked to that is around the implementation of the, the quality of teaching because teachers have had it really tough in that they've gone from, you know, virtual learning. So I remember doing drop-ins virtually and I went into a teacher's lesson virtually and, and she's teaching at home English. Great lesson. She's got her three children in the house, two of which um, were actually at the academy in different classrooms, <laughs> obviously in different rooms in the house. She's got a dog underneath her desk snoring that I could hear on my microphone and she's delivering a brilliant lesson. And then that teacher is now coming in. And a lot of the things that you do every day as a teacher, you've got to redo and rethink about. Um, so actually part of the, the quality of education is ensuring that, you know, we're, we're not holding things too tightly as teachers and we're not too reliant on, on teaching to the front because we've almost moved into that because sometimes there's been a loss of confidence or, um, you know, you, you de-skill after not doing something for a period of time. So we're working really hard on what is it that those students get in their lessons and ensuring that is high quality learning uh, where they can do their very best. So, yeah, that, that's been our core purpose since we've come back. And uh, I love it because it's getting me into classrooms um, and, it, and it's what we're, we're all about. Very good answer, David. Um, so I suppose my my last question before um, I will leave you to do all your wonderful work. Um, actually, we've just got um, a, a, somebody's just texting. Tom's just texting. How do you support that? Sorry. What, what does that say, Tom? How do you support that, tea, that team like now if they were overwhelmed? There you go. So how do you support your teachers if they become really overwhelmed? In terms oh, the of one in the classroom, hang on, hang on. If, the, the, the question is unraveling itself as as we go. So the, the example you just gave of um, the, the yeah. teacher who sounds like a rock star was um, had three children, a dog, teaching from home. How do you support um, that teacher if they become overwhelmed or if they did? Uh, do you know what? It's, it's a brilliant question, and one of the things that um, I heard you talk to Zoe about was was the the pandemic and and actually. Um, the impact of, of what it's been like. And I think for me, um, what we developed at, at both schools was a real honesty and transparency about how we were working. Um, and we developed a system where teachers could literally just hold their hand up and say, do you know what, I'm really struggling today. I've got my own children to teach. Uh, and we would then move that virtual lesson. So what we did is every lesson was a live lesson, but we grouped students together. So we grouped classes. So we might have had one English person leading it, and then we might have had two or three on the chat. So there was a real team effort around ensuring that it wasn't just falling to one person all the time, because we had to be really aware that people were teaching in their own home with three children and a dog snoring. And actually, you know, I, I had it quite straightforward because I, I was sat in my office working. Um, they weren't. They were having to deal with their families as well. So I think the overwhelmed was actually, let's be honest, um, let's be really transparent with each other. And one of the things we brought in for students was we brought in a well-being hour every afternoon and we did quizzes and we did fun activities, sports activities. And we invited the whole family to take part in that because we recognise that teachers needed time um, with their family. So they stopped teaching in the afternoon. We did preset um the PE department did preset uh, tasks around uh, quizzes and sporting activities um linked it in to uh, sir tom and all the work that he was doing at that time and we said to staff don't teach in the afternoon have that with your family so i think it is about knowing your staff those relationships and actually it's been a theme of everything we've talked about isn't it uh, and, and what, i think that's sorry, the same now 
what what would you do if you had a teacher um now at school who who gets who has got really overwhelmed with something or suffers with anxiety like how would you support that i think you've got to listen i think you've got to create a culture where where staff can talk to you um can talk to their line manager and, and not feel um any blame um i think i'll give you a sort of real life example at the moment one of the things is around staff who are pregnant um you know, when they're 28 weeks and obviously they, they shouldn't be in schools uh, in terms of the, the COVID guidance. So it's been really tough for them to say, actually, you know, the guidance is I, I need to work from home. And it's about we've had to have those conversations about, right, OK, how do we support you? How do we ensure that um, you can deliver from home um, and you don't feel guilty? And actually, you're putting yourself first at this time because we recognise that in the challenges we face with COVID, that that's what we've got to do. So mm-hmm. I think it's around the culture. It's around the um, the way you work as a head, how you model that leadership throughout your line management structure um, and, and the way you ensure that we do listen to staff. Because if we want the best from them, we've got to look after our, our biggest commodity, uh, which, is our, which is our staff. I think... Um, my personal experience, it's coming back after maternity during a, the pandemic or what's going on at the moment as well. It's a it's a very strange place to be. And then when you come back into to work after you've been off, um, that needs a lot of um, support from the school as well. And, um, you know, as you were talking about as well. Yeah, and I, I think... I mean, you've talked about flexible working, and I didn't, I didn't hear last week, but I, I think it's around. That's a great show, David. Sorry, but I think it's about <laughs> just ensuring that you are you are listening to your staff, and, and leaders don't always get it right. But actually, you've got to create that open door where where people feel they can talk to you, and, and if they're not getting support from their line manager, then then they tell you that, and, and you know that because you want staff to feel supported, and and any time mm-hmm. out is difficult to return. Um, and there's lots of things that we have in school around systems and processes around return to work and, and HR support. But actually, often it, it's what you said at the start, you know, someone just asking you how you're doing and uh, it's good to see you back. And, uh, you know, all those sorts of things really go a long way in making people feel part of something. And if they feel part of something, then they're going to they give their very best to you. Uh, and that's as leading what we're trying to create. Fantastic. And uh, Tom's just sort of added to his question as well. So um, when everybody was teaching from home remotely and then all of a sudden we all had to go back in and teach face to face, how did um, you sort of manage and support that that transitional change from being remote teaching to face to face? We did a lot of work, actually, with, with staff looking at what are the pros and cons. Um, we didn't want to have that sort of baby and bathwater moment where we literally came back in and went back to doing uh, education, how we did it before. So, so we did a lot of staff over the, a lot of time over the PD days. Um, obviously, in that sort of Easter return, to actually look at a what are the what's the support that staff need? Because we still had a number of staff who were um, potentially very anxious, um, very concerned. Mm-hmm. We had a number of staff who had families um, who were due operations or who were really poorly and actually needed support. Uh, and really sadly, we had students that. That lost family members so there was a whole process around um, st- supporting students and supporting staff and where there was willingness to try and find out as much as we could to ensure that um, we had that knowledge of, of what we needed to do how we needed to support people um, and then putting those things in place um, and, and that ranged from a, a variety of things to, to talking to staff listening to staff giving staff the opportunity to feedback to creating well-being opportunities um, as well as taking it slow and not just assuming 
that people are going to come back and hit the ground running. And I think the fact that we came back and, you know, there wasn't lots of extracurricular, there wasn't lots of things going on, um, there wasn't the mass of sort of interventions that would normally be in place actually really supported staff and, and enabled us to to really focus on what is it that staff need and how can we ensure that um, we support them when they return. And as I said, what are the things that perhaps we need to keep? So we kept virtual aspects around parents' evening. We used virtual within lessons around the use of Google Meets in classrooms. So, so there are lots of positives as well. Um, but it's a difficult one. And it's been, as Zoe said, we've been learning day to day as leaders, um, along, with, along with the staff we're trying to support and lead. Um, fantastic. I definitely think that answered for Tom as well. Um, I think that's all we have time for, David. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to people about sort of leadership styles, but also about what you've done as, as a leader to really help individuals within your school I think it's just been it's been really nice to listen to um and I've summed you up like I did for Zoe so you said at the beginning <laughs> um what, what's your leadership um uh, what did I what was the question the question was um what's your own leadership style so I've I've said uh, collected efficacy I don't know if I pronounced that correct but hopefully and that has just been tweeted actually because it's a really good quote um, investment in staff, in particular your leaders, um, having an impact on people. And then more specifically for you, it's about relationships, emotional intelligence, passionate, empowering, resilience and being visible. So that is you summed well, up for your leadership like style. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think both uh, both uh, yourself and Zoe, um, I think she will be incredibly proud uh, at what you you know what you do and who you lead because it's it's quite inspiring listening to when you put it all together and I, I'm pretty sure lots of people out there who've been listening live or will download it at another point will absolutely you know want to want to find you and, and go go and seek your schools out because what you say about leadership for me is you know it, you're getting it right so thank you again for giving up your time no, it's an absolute pleasure, Libby, and uh, good to talk to you again and uh, great show. Thanks ever so much. Lovely. Okay, have a fantastic week. See ya. Um, well, thank you so much, Zoe, and thank you so much, David. So we've got some very, very busy individuals who've given up their time to talk to you this evening about leadership and about, you know, some of the, the things that they were doing during that pandemic and some of their ideas about, you know, what's important when you're talking about leadership structures in schools. Um, and that is all we've got time for this evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, um, I'm back and I'm going to do a history episode. And I have got the absolute hero that is Ben Walsh on. Um, if you're a, a history teacher and you've been teaching for more than five years, you'll know who Ben Walsh is. Um, and if you've got any questions, etc., it would be really great to hear from you. Um, so... I will see you, well, I won't see you, I will um, listen in next week for that. And thank you so much for getting involved in the conversation this evening. It's been a really great show. Um, have a fantastic week, everybody. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.